You're listening to the Course Report Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Course Report is the most complete resource for coding boot camps. On our site, we have thousands of reviews, hundreds of interviews, and a full directory of every coding boot camp around the world. On our podcast, we're sharing everything you need to stay up to date on this blossoming industry. Whether you're a boot camp founder or a future student, we hope you'll learn something on the Course Report Podcast. Well, welcome everyone to the July 2021 Coding Bootcamp News Roundup. I'm Liz. And I'm Jess. And we are from the Course Report team. So we spend our days helping students choose the best coding bootcamps for them. But each month we round up all of the most interesting bootcamp industry news that we read about and chatted about and shared in Slack in the Course Report virtual office. And we share it with you. And Jess, I think that we can officially mark July 2021 as the month that boot camps started going back to in-person learning. Totally. After 16 months of varying degrees of the COVID pandemic, we're finally starting to hear reports of boot camps that are reopening their in-person campuses where and when it makes sense, of course. So Jess, let's start there. Which boot camps are reopening? So far, Boise Codeworks, Dev Mountain, Learning Fuse, and New York City Data Science Academy have reopened their in-person campuses for immersive boot camps. Digital Crafts continues to offer its hybrid learning environment where instruction is live online, but students can come to campus for that quiet work environment. Tech Elevator will begin to hold in-person courses this September, and as of July 19th, Flatiron School has started offering community programs like workshops in person, and we'll start offering supplemental instructional support this fall 2021. And General Assembly, who is also celebrating their 10-year anniversary this month, so happy birthday, they are opening in-person classrooms in late August. We'll keep you updated on all of the latest campus reopening news. And in the meantime, you can keep checking in on our blog post on our blog. It's called COVID-19 Encoding Bootcamps. We keep track of all of the latest on coding bootcamp reopenings and scholarships and all that good stuff. Okay, so Jess, what else are we going to be talking about on today's episode? We'll start with a few major acquisitions and fundraises in the bootcamp world, and then we'll dive into an opinion piece about the role of Pell Grants in bootcamps. Then we'll talk through what boot camps need to do beyond just teaching students to code, and we'll share a bunch of partnerships that are giving validity to the boot camp model in July. And of course, we're going to tell you about all of the new campuses and courses we read about this month and the eight new coding boot camps that we added to the course report directory in July. There were a few exciting fundraisers announced this July, but first, Liz, let's talk about this huge 2U acquisition. Yes. So remember, just for context, that 2U owns Trilogy Education, which makes it very much a part of uh, you know, the bootcamp space. And in July, 2U announced that they will acquire substantially all of edX's assets for $800 million in cash. So edX is this huge online learning platform and education marketplace that was originally founded by an MIT professor. Proceeds of the transaction will go to a nonprofit led by Harvard and MIT that's focused on transforming educational outcomes and tackling learning inequities. If you are interested in this deal, I recommend an article in The Verdict. We'll link to it in the blog post that accompanies all of our episodes. And they point out that financially, this is a good deal. 
2U gets access to edX's 50 million users, 1,200 enterprise clients, and hundreds of university and corporate partners. Harvard and MIT get $800 million, which is going to be used, as we said before, to create a new nonprofit that's led by the universities that's going to focus on closing the learning and opportunity gaps. But there's also a lot of pushback from the higher ed community who uh, some are characterizing this deal as a betrayal and accusing Harvard and MIT of, quote, auctioning off the lecture halls of the future. So definitely will be more to come here. But uh, this was a, a huge way to start off July. Codebox announced that they raised $2 million in a seed round led by Mata Luke's group. This latest funding round brings Codebox's total valuation to $22 million. Codebox has been expanding its reach in Canada and the U.S., so I bet that some of this funding will be used towards new campuses. And according to TechCrunch, Barcelona-based bootcamp Microverse has raised $12.5 million. The round was led by Northzone and joined by previous investors, General Catalyst, and All Iron Ventures. And CEO Ariel Camus says that the startup has landed about 300 early graduates in positions at technology companies like Microsoft, VMware, and Huawei. And Microverse runs on an ISA model. And the TechCrunch writer, Lucas Matneeb, points out that Microverse has notably less generous terms than their counterparts like Lambda School when it comes to when students begin loan repayment. But Microverse says that they have above a 95% employment rate for its students within six months of graduation so far. So I guess it kind of shakes out it's worth it. Another Barcelona-based coding bootcamp, CodeOp, closed an investment round worth 1.25 million euros. The investment round was led by Ship2B Ventures. CodeOp is currently looking to expand its campuses to new countries in Europe and Latin America and making key hires across these roles. And according to the University of Kansas, a $50,000 grant from an anonymous donor to KU Endowment is funding scholarships for two KU boot camps. Um, Those scholarships will be available to local low-income individuals interested in digital careers. That's so cool. I love that. And finally, two schools raised incentive-aligned tuition financing capital through LEAF. So that was Codex and Pivot both raised $10 million and will use that money to expand their ISA tuition financing programs for students. So this is a major trend that we've pointed out before. Remember that Miami-based 4Geeks Academy announced a $10 million financing round in June, also led by LEAF. And then Pivot announced a big scholarship fund from Amazon this July. Before we dive into the latest news about income share agreements, we caught an interesting article about Pell Grants and short courses. Liz, what was the gist of that piece? Essentially, Doug Lederman published a debate in Inside Higher Ed between two higher ed experts. That was Monty Sullivan, who's the president of the Louisiana Community and Technical College System and a board member of Rebuilding America's Middle Class. And then Amy Latinen, who is the director of higher education at New America. And they discussed the pros and cons of expanding the U.S.'s federal financial aid program, specifically Pell Grants, to include eight-week vocational 
vocational programs. They're not just talking about coding boot camps, to be clear. They're talking about all vocational programs. So um, there are linemen training programs, electrician programs, things like that. But Mani says that short-term training programs need to be available to the masses and that we're limiting access to many people who are marginalized, you know, limiting them from having access to the workforce training that they may need in order to get really high paying jobs and take care of their families. So he is pro expanding Pell to cover boot camps. And then Amy Leitman says that Pell actually can already be used for short-term programs, but it's all about outcomes. She points out that there are very few programs that you can do in eight weeks that will lead to a high-wage, good job. I think we would kind of agree with her here that in order to get financial aid or really to exist at all, we believe that a boot camp must prove that their graduates are successful. And many do that already through CIRR, their own outcomes reports. But we totally agree that should be at the foundation of any of these career outcomes-based programs. Mani then points out, um, kind of points the discussion to a study conducted by Dr. Chris Glass from Old Dominion University that looked at earnings increases as a result of short-term training programs. He says, quote, it looked at three states, Louisiana, Virginia and Colorado. And what you saw is earnings increases on average 24% by those completing a short-term credential in the Virginia economy here in Louisiana, which is obviously where money is. Here in Louisiana, that lift was about 19%. So if you think about it, a 19% increase is a game changer for many individuals, close quote. So it kind of, I think this whole conversation comes down to outcomes. The boot camps that prove that they're getting students jobs should be the ones that are expanded either through public-private partnerships or through you know fundraising or through federal financial aid program like Pell. But this whole debate is actually on audio. You can listen to it. We'll put a link to it. Super interesting conversation there. Yeah. We also caught on Forbes, Robert Farrington, a contributor there, highlighting how ISAs are growing in popularity in that traditional college sphere. So we're always interested to see how ISAs are being picked up for other learning paths. But as we've mentioned in previous episodes, ISAs for that four-year college degree program with the low starting salaries may not be the best solution. The main reason is because a college student may end up paying way more with an ISA than a traditional student loan plan. Farrington highlights how one student actually uses an ISA to help them afford a graduate program, and that seems like it might be a better fit for ISAs. Yeah, ISAs also just draw a lot of criticism, especially from interest groups like the Student Borrower Protection Center, which is helping students who make school because of hidden fees in their ISA, according to Market Watch this month. I'm curious about this. You know, the student in question landed a job as a software engineer in the Bay Area. I'm curious to hear a little bit more about the complaint. That's kind of the case with all of these cases around ISAs. Really curious to hear how the court actually rules on them. But remember that interview that we included last month with Scott Jones about the Indiana Career Accelerator Fund? I would implore anyone who is interested in this space to look into that program, which just by structure, like the way that it's structured is that it does not inflate tuition in order to provide the ISA. So that could be a really cool way to move forward in the ISA world.
Okay, well, as the world reopened in July, there was a lot of news about the state of tech hiring right now. So business leader says that tech hiring in the UK is at its highest level, averaging over 100,000 job vacancies per week. Vacancies for tech positions are now at their highest since 2016, and there's been an increase in looking for remote tech talent. Jess, what is tech hiring looking like here in the U.S.? All right. So here in the U.S., job openings are at a record high level, but there are still 7.6 million fewer people working now than before the pandemic started. Labor experts are calling it sort of a last mile problem where training people for hard skills just isn't enough to ensure that they'll make a transition into a successful career. So the New York Times jumped in to investigate what actually works when it comes to reskilling and upskilling people for today's labor force needs. And since we're always in touch with the bootcamp industry, we weren't totally surprised to read that soft skills training plus career support is crucial to get people through that last mile. Um, What's cool is that President Biden is endorsing career support programs in his administration's new jobs plan, which calls for billions of dollars in workforce training, including funds for these, what they are calling wraparound services, so career counseling. This is a really great in-depth article that highlights a bunch of awesome programs like Periscolas, so definitely check it out. Yes, Steve Lohr has been covering the boot camp industry and just general workforce retraining for so long. He's such an excellent point of view there. So I definitely recommend that piece. And Patrick Linet, who is the head of UK admissions and placement for Boolean, which is a boot camp in the UK, wrote a guest post in B Daily News about why learning to code isn't a career and tech boot camps need to do more. So kind of expanding on what Steve was talking about there from the boot camp perspective. If boot camps are going to deliver on their promise to students, Patrick says, and you know, actually help meet the growing need for software developers, then they need to be much more focused on the end goal. Students need substantial, proven, and proactive career support services, as well as that skills training. And I think this is more important than ever. As Patrick says, the best courses should be built on robust careers platforms that are connecting graduates to employers and that have really extensive partner networks in their area. Heschinger report dove into the importance of paid training as a means to recruit new talent. On the surface of the issue is that the U.S. faces a tech talent shortage, but with paid tech training, many people who work in currently blue-collar jobs, and oftentimes those people are women and or people of color, could make the jump into these higher-paying white-collar jobs. Right now, the House has passed the National Apprenticeship Act, which would inject $3.5 billion of federal funding into Department of Labor registered programs. So if this bill becomes law, think of just how many more people will have access to these kinds of paid apprenticeship programs, plus the new diversified talent pool that will then take up positions in today's workforce. So we'll see how that that passes possibly the Senate and the president's desk this year. Absolutely. Hopefully. Hopefully we can report on that in future episodes. And another new trend in the workforce right now is that one in five workers have changed careers since the onset of the pandemic, according to Prudential's Pulse of the American Worker Survey. Seattle Business Magazine highlighted some of those career changers who were working as bartenders and servers in the restaurant industry to software engineers after graduating from coding dojos online boot camp. 
Business Insider also highlighted how many people are switching from service industry jobs to tech roles like software engineering. So even with restaurants and bars now reopening, many service industry employees are not returning to their previous jobs because they're looking for more stability, better pay and benefits, and then also that flexibility. Business Insider highlights Tech Elevator and Hack Reactor bootcamp grads who have no regrets about switching into tech this past year after having worked in the service industry for many years. These next few stories are examples just from July of community colleges, large corporations, city government, military nonprofits, all of that, that are giving boot camps the seal of approval. First, over in the UK, the London government has invested in a data science bootcamp to reskill its workers. That pilot cohort will reskill 15 London employees in a 12-week bootcamp that combines project-based learning with mentorship. And the goal of this program is for these reskilled employees to use data analysis to help make data-driven policy decisions and design more effective services for the city. Such a cool program. I hope it goes forward into many more cohorts. Central New Mexico Community College's deep dive boot camps offered through its own CNM Ingenuity program have been so successful that they're now offering these same programs to other community colleges and organizations. So 87% of students who have completed CNM's immersive 10-week deep dive boot camps have reported achieving their career goals within six months of graduation, and these boot camp grads' starting salary is around $50,000, so a bit of a lift for those people who are making a career change. Galvanize, which teaches software engineering and data science, announced in July that they have been awarded a phase three SBIR indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity, which is IDIQ, contract by the U.S. Department of Defense. Say that. 10 times fast. Um, in phase one, Galvanize worked with the Air Force to create the foundation for software and data analytics training for service members across the Department of Defense. And Major Eric Robinson says, quote, if we want to have any hope of maintaining cyber relevancy on a global scale, we need to have people who can understand the digital arena and understand how it relates to the rest of the DOD, end quote. I mean, the fact that the DOD is recognizes this and is turning to galvanize, which is at its heart of, of coding bootcamp, to do that training is a huge sign of validation in the space. So really looking forward to seeing how phase three goes for galvanizing the DOD. Yes. I mean, so many boot camps are approved now to accept the GI Bill and vet tech, but a DOD contract is huge news. And in similar news, the cybersecurity boot camp Cybent has partnered with Central Texas College to offer cybersecurity training to military students and veterans in Texas. And this part-time boot camp launches in August. The Atlanta nonprofit City of Refuge announced this week it had been awarded a $5.4 million grant from the Federal Department of Labor to establish a tech career training program called the Tech Transformation Academy. The academy will run in partnership with Atlanta-based Digital Crafts and the Carolina Cyber Center. And the nonprofit said, quote, upon completion and credentialing, graduates will have the opportunity for job placement as a web developer or software engineer with a starting salary of approximately $55,000. 
Alternatively, they can choose to be placed in a 12-month internship with a corporate partner at a starting salary of $36,000. If the corporate partner determines not to hire an intern upon completion of the 12-month program, job placement staff at City of Refuge will help find a career for them through other corporate partners or job fairs, end quote. Um, So it sounds like they really thought this one through. Nashville-based coding bootcamp Pivot Technology School has partnered with Shipt to help Shipt retain diverse tech talent. So Shipt is a local delivery service owned by Target, and this new partnership with Pivot Tech will give 30 full scholarships to students trying to get into either data analytics or software engineering. This Pivot Shipt cohort kicks off this August. And of course, boot campers aren't just contributing to companies' bottom lines, but also to their own communities. I just wanted to wrap this section up by sharing an alumni story that we read in Japan Times this month of LaShawn Toyota. So LaShawn went to Code Chrysalis in Japan, where she built an open source database of clinics that were offering waiting lists for appointments to get a COVID-19 vaccine across the country. It was called Find a Doc. She announced her creation on Twitter, and by the end of the second day that it was live, the database had hit over 300,000 requests, completely overwhelmed her. Um, but experienced developers from companies like Google and Amazon volunteered their help on, you know, kind of teaching her how to manage such a huge project. And volunteer translators also stepped up, and the database is now available in 17 languages. We'll link to an interview with LaShawn, too. She's super personable and just talks about her, you know, experience creating this project at Code Chrysalis. And her long-term goal is to build a database of doctors who can speak multiple languages and to create a nonprofit around that. So go LaShawn. Yeah, that's so cool. Go LaShawn. So that is definitely the type of mind that we need in tech these days. And that brings us to our next topic, how boot camps can bring women and people of color into tech. Yes, Jess, but it's not just about bringing folks into tech, it's also about keeping them around. And in Forbes this month, Anna Frazetto covered a Girls in Tech report that says that half of the young women that go into tech jobs leave the field by the age of 35. And to combat that, she shares eight tips for employers to attract, retain, and nurture more women technologists. My favorite couple of tips, you can read them all, but my favorite couple of these were to build women-centric mentoring and training programs. And Jess, that just reminded me, one example that comes to mind is the Hackbright Academy partnerships Mm. with Target. Target actually pays for cohorts of women to go through Hackbright Academy. And then we also read that 22 women graduated from the inaugural Proficient Bright Paths program, which is all also with Hackbright Academy, which is an all-women software engineering school around the country. And then another tip is to increase communications training. And I thought this was interesting because Anne points out that, you know, the technology industry is not known for its high emotional intelligence or sophisticated communication soft skills. Although, you know, boot camps definitely incorporate that into their curriculum, but communications training for all employees can improve the overall work environment reduce the likelihood of harassment and misunderstandings and just improve collaboration and understanding across the board. So some really good tips for employers there. 
Liz, do you remember that really cool Be Smarties Women in Tech Scholarship that was in partnership with Learning Fuse? We talked about it earlier this year. Yeah, absolutely. I remember that one. Yeah. So the awardees from that program, they just graduated from Software Guild's Immersive Web Development Bootcamp while being mentored by Be Smarty developers who were also Learning Fuse grads. And it sounds like the program was a super huge hit. So there's no word on if there's a next cohort, but we we really hope there is. Definitely. And love to hear that, you know, uh, alumni from one boot camp are mentoring, you know, the new graduates of another boot camp. That's really cool. Great ecosystem. And if you are interested in that kind of partnership, then this piece by Michael Butler in Technically Philly this month is for you. So Michael highlights the Microsoft Leap Apprenticeship Program as an example of how a corporate entity is training underrepresented technologists. We've talked about that program before. We've also spotlighted alumni from that Microsoft Leap program on our blog. He also highlights Zip Code Wilmington, which has worked with J.P. Morgan Chase to place its graduates in Delaware throughout the pandemic, in which you know many companies were actually seeing hiring freezes. But JPMC's Executive Director of Technology for Social Good, Diversity, and Inclusion said, quote, in their own vetting process, Zip Code Wilmington focuses on determination, grit, interest, aptitude, and coachability. All of those are important skills that we think about when hiring too. So as part of their standard process of selection, they're already aligning with us, end quote. And that's just so cool to see how a boot camp and a huge corporation like J.P. Morgan Chase have like achieved this real synergy between their their admissions process and their you know application and like hiring process. Such a great example for other boot camps and public private partnerships. Totally. And we're also really excited to see that Mississippi Coding Academies is partnering with the University of Southern Mississippi to offer a coding bootcamp program to Gulf Coast residents. So Mississippi Coding Academy's mission is to bring economic mobility to Mississippi residents by helping them make a career change into tech. And according to AP News, the new Biloxi campus will begin offering these coding programs this August. Well, there was plenty of news this month about new schools and new campuses around the world. One of the interesting things we discovered this July is that Trilogy Education, which is a 2U brand, is now expanding their boot camp reach to Australia. So they now have boot camps at the University of Sydney, the University of Western Australia, and the University of Adelaide. Cybersecurity bootcamp Cybent is also expanding into Australia. Cybent has partnered with Academy IT to offer in-person and online cybersecurity bootcamps across Australia. Oregon State University and the University of Texas at Dallas have both officially teamed up with Full Stack Academy so they can begin offering part-time data analytics bootcamps. Netflix and 2U have partnered to offer four-credit online boot camps in data science, Java engineering, and UX UI to Marymount undergraduates. These boot camps are free to accepted students. That's so cool. The Canadian-based bootcamp Codebox, which we talked about earlier, is now launching a new campus in Philadelphia by the end of 2021. There's a hyper-local focus with this new Philly program, and Codebox is intent on connecting Philly bootcamp grads to Philly businesses. 
Holberton School has partnered with French staffing agency Actual Leader Group to open a new campus in Paris. This marks Holberton's third campus in France, and Holberton has plans to open a fourth France-based campus next year. According to Vermont Business Magazine, the Community College of Vermont has partnered with workforce retraining and education provider Upright Education to help Vermonters develop the skills they need for careers in tech at boot camps. And according to the News Enterprise, the Greater Knox Coding Academy in Kentucky has partnered with the Elizabethtown Community and Technical College to train programmers, and they just graduated their first 16-person cohort. Just a heads up that St. Louis-based Claim Academy has seen such a boost in enrollment that it's going to be moving to a larger campus that it purchased from Washington University this year. And finally, Quasar and Canada College at Menlo Park are offering a nine-month training program for software developers with help from grant funding to achieve a low enough price point to draw applicants from low-income communities. We added eight new schools to our course report school directory in July. Jess, do you want to run us through those schools? Totally. So we added those new trilogy boot camps in Australia, the University of Sydney boot camps and the University of Western Australian boot camps. We have a few new online coding boot camps in our listings, Coders Campus, Coding Boot Camps Europe and High Coders Academy. The online data science bootcamp Data Rockstars is in our listings, as well as digital marketing program Job Prepped and Washington, D.C.-based cybersecurity and coding bootcamp Cybertech School. All right, wonderful. Well, welcome to all of those eight new schools. And just to wrap up the episode for this month, you know, Jess, we published a lot of great stuff on the Course Support blog in July. So what was your favorite piece to work on? I really enjoyed speaking with Fourth Brain alumni Matt about his career change. Matt is a classically trained guitarist, and he was doing a lot of gigging and teaching before he started to get burnt out by all that hustle. He poured his creativity and his curiosity into learning machine learning and AI, and then he enrolled in Fourth Brain's online machine learning bootcamp. Matt has so much good advice for anyone who's kind of outside of tech now on how to launch a new career in machine learning. Totally check that piece out if you're interested in machine learning or fourth brain. Um, So Liz, what was your favorite post to work on this July? Well, I got to talk to a UX bootcamp alum, Christine, about a very interesting topic, which was whether a bootcamp loan was worth it for her. So Christine took out a loan from Climb Credit, which is a pretty popular bootcamp lending partner, to pay for tuition at General Assembly two years ago. And I asked her all about paying off her loan while she was working in design and whether it was ultimately worth it. And if you're listening to this, then I will let you read that Q&A for the answer to that question. Was it worth it to take out a loan for a boot camp? And that does it for our July podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Keep checking in on Course Report for the latest about online bootcamp opportunities. And we'll see you next month on our August Coding Bootcamp News Roundup. Yes, and we love feedback. So of course, as always, email us your thoughts at hello at coursereport.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast, then please help other future boot campers find it by going to iTunes, subscribing to the Course Report podcast, and leaving a review. We will see you in August. Bye. See you in August. <laughs> <laughs>